This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And you know, Zupan's isn't only known for their incredible selection of wines. They also have great beers. And one that's featured uh, this week is a farm-to-market lager uh, brewed in connection or collaboration with Level Beer. It's a classic American lager, which I really like, which is light, crisp, and clean and pairs perfectly with these hot summer afternoons. And one of the great things about the uh, beer department at your local Zupans is there's always somebody there that can help you. If you've got your mind, if you've got a certain type that you want, you don't have to look very far to find somebody that's going to be able to point you in the right direction. That's, it's, it's that case in every department at Zupan. That's true. That's true. It's always there, and the stores are small enough where you can always find someone to, but large enough to be stocked with lots of great things. Yep. And here are three things not to miss in Zupan's this week, the Tasty Trio this week. Uh, you've got herb-stuffed Branzino, also known as European sea bass. This fish is presented whole, stuffed with cilantro, dill, onion, and lemon. Uh, you simply grill it and enjoy it, Chris. And right now is incredible tomato time in Oregon. And that's no different at Zupans. They have their local tomatoes. They're amazing. Let's use that word right now. And it's the time to make Caprese, uh, Liberty Harvest Slicing Tomatoes grown in Dundee, Oregon, or Oregon Star Seedless Tomatoes grown in Gaston, Oregon. And of course, the wonderful organic heirloom tomatoes grown in Ridgefield, Washington by Northwest Organic Farms. And don't miss out on uh, brand new Spanish products. It's a great opportunity for you to take a culinary journey through Spain at your local Zupans from saffron to paella, paella from saffron to paella rice to canned seafood and olives. Uh, your local Zupan store is filled with uh, new gourmet items imported directly from Spain. Spain's always a great idea. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. Is that what, yes, is that what you're getting hint. at? Yeah. So those, um, so those are all available at one, any one of three of Zupan's markets on West Burnside, Macadam, Lake Oswego, and Court. Where else? Zupan's.com. Here it is, time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And on the other side of the Zoom meeting is Court Johnson uh, with Kink.fm and other assorted uh, goodies over at Alpha Media. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt today just so everybody can visualize this. Oh, you you know, we miss the opportunity. One way, the forensic method in which people can realize that we're not face to face is I haven't mentioned your hats. Oh yeah. In a long time. Yeah, which no. hat you're wearing? Uh, tonight, uh, today I'm wearing uh, just a straight up uh, black on black Adidas hat. I think you're familiar with it. You've, you've made mention of it before. And, yeah. Uh, but so my question is, do you wear a hat in the house when you're at home? I do. If I'm going to be on a zoom or a Google meet call, I, I have got, this routine, because uh, I, I, I'm a bearded gentleman, and I, yeah. I trim the top part of my beard down into the longer part of my beard. And then I've, since, you know, I'm, I haven't got a haircut in, uh, in months since, you know, quarantine started. And even though I know there's the ability to do so now, I'm just like, eh, I'm good. I'll just wear a hat. So I, I use my um, beard trimmer, and I trim the sides of my, of my head 
basically any part of the hair that sticks out of my hat. So I've got probably the worst haircut going on right now because it's just growing like crazy on top. Well, there you have it. That's this week's episode of Right at the Fork. Thank you, Court. You're welcome, and uh, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, You know, it's funny. I have so many hats, and uh, uh, it's not really funny. But, you know, being down at the coast, I have one on all the time. And sometimes in the house, but not... Not too often, but yeah, they get the one of the reasons I have so many is it covers up my terrible hair. I have cowlicks, lack of hair on top. It's it's a little difficult. So um, I got quite a few that I can wear at any given time. So never, just, to never to loss for hats. And it's just smart. You live out in a, on, on the beach, and even though it might be cloud covered, you can still you know you got to protect yourself from those rays. Yeah, but I have too many. Oh. I, I just have. I must have, if I just guessed, like 25 or 30 that include baseball caps, you know, fedora kind of things. Wow. Which I don't wear. That's, that is I don't quite wear a bit. Too often. Yeah. yeah I, I like them. They look good on me when I buy them. But in terms of practical use, going to a restaurant with a hat on, you oh, got to sure. take those fedoras. You got to, I believe I'm a little old fashioned. You can't sit at a table and eat with them unless it's pretty casual, I suppose. If you, maybe you're but, out on a, on a patio. It might might be a little appropriate. I know right, I'm right. I'm, I'm with you. So now we're presenting opportunities to wear those nice hats while dining, I suppose. But I once put on a Facebook a few years ago whether people believe in wearing hats indoor, you know, at a restaurant or not. And it was really interesting the discussion that ensued. And it generally breaks off at those, I think, over about forty-five, just you know, across the board, you gotta take it off in a sure. restaurant. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, anyway. it's generational. My I, yes. my dad insisted that uh, you you take the hat off inside the house. Of course, your father did. My father insisted I tuck my shirt in, and he and he used to insist that my kids tuck their shirts in running around Savannah, Georgia, in the summer. And, <laughs> uh, so my feeling is, you know, his generation, he liked to tuck that polo shirt in around his stomach and highlight it. Right. I personally would rather have a shirt draped lower that just, I feel it doesn't highlight the, uh, you know, the, st- the stomach. Right. So I, I wonder how Todd Edwards of Ole Latte is going to feel listening to this intro. Oh, yeah. Uh, to his podcast. So <laughs> but the other thing that there's no shortage of in my house is uh, coffee. Right. Uh, especially during these pandemic times. Man, I've been drinking a lot of coffee, and I got a great new coffee maker, the Ninja, which I just love. Oh, I I think I have the exact same one. We've had it for about a year and a half. Do you have the one with the flat uh, decan? The the the, the it's flat or rounded at the top where it says Ninja. I, I you might need to send me a picture, but I just I I love it because you can convert it to just do a mug. You can have it do a travel mug, and it's got this separate separate reservoir, and it's easy to. I love that reservoir, man, because instead of pulling the whole coffee maker out and opening that thing and having to aim the water in, you just pull that reservoir right out, fill it up to all the way to the top and you pick any size uh, coffee that you want. And it's great. And and it works. I just bought one uh, back in January, another brand, which I should say, I don't even remember now. I want to forget it because they didn't honor the warranty. Right. that thing broke. The, the clock didn't work. It didn't go from a.m. to p.m. when you set the uh, the timer to go off in the morning. Uh, that's pretty so important. Just, yeah, and they wouldn't. So anyway, this Ninja is great. The be- better to make 
great coffee, which I've had a lot of. And often I'll stop at Ole Latte to get their coffee because not only is their coffee delicious, they're great, they, you know, the coffee that they roast, but the vibe at their carts is is really cool. And I learned that a few years ago when, when um, Jose Luis de Casio of Paiche at the time had said, I have to get down to their cart over in PSU. And I've loved it ever since. Um, it's a really great spot. They know what they're doing with coffee. They have another little food cart nearby where they serve great little big, awesome bagel sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the other thing that they do is their suspended coffee program, which in these times I think is even more important. But you can, while you're buying a cup, you can buy somebody else a cup who needs needs it and um they take care of people at ole latte who are you know might be homeless or just really in need of a cup of coffee and don't have the resources to do that so um he talks about his uh, pay it forward coffee program on this podcast and we thought it was a <clears throat> good time to bring it back to life um right now to uh, continue our series of archived programs and we'll be back to live programs soon <clears throat> we're finding that we really liked recording in the studio more than the remote podcast, but we, we, we did remote podcasts for a few months. We're taking a little summer break and we'll be back with some, I think some exciting new uh, live interviews coming soon that are, um, I would tease them, but uh, let's tease them next week. I think we'll have one that everybody's going to want to, Oh, should we just tease it court? Oh, go ahead. Should we just say sure next week? Yeah, next week we will have what we're calling uh, John Gorham's Portland Exit interview. So if you don't know yet, uh, John Gorham of Toro Bravo Inc. has either closed, sold, or divested all his interest in his restaurants along with his wife, Renee. And we're going to talk next week about where they're going and what they're going to be doing. So rather than say exactly what that is, let's let's do a little bit of a, a media news tease. Nice. You nailed it. Yeah. So um, nailed that. The other thing I just want to mention is uh, Portland Food Adventures. My um, other interest is still in force. And we now have some room to two trips to Spain if you've got a little cabin fever. And you just heard in the um, Zupan's spot that we did about all the great food you can get from Spain. Well, you can go try it firsthand uh, with your own hand and fork and, uh, and your own glass to tip some excellent drink, wine, and cocktails. Uh, next April and September, you go to PortlandFoodAdventures.com. We're traveling with the in incomparable um, Javier Contreras and his wife, JL, from Urdaneta. Next year, twice, two different trips, same itinerary, two choices there. And then also to Western Sicily um, in the fall in September <clears throat> with our dear friend, Austri Ensign. And uh, she's going to show us all the way from Palermo to Agrigento, some of the incredible sites and the beautiful area, which I had a, the great fortune last year around this time <clears throat> to tour with Austri. So, we're bringing as many people as we can uh, to enjoy that again. So hop on that, portlandfoodadventures.com. If you can't go or you don't know any, you might know somebody who wants to go. So let them know and let us know. All right. 
That's it. So let's get to the interview with Todd Edwards of Ole Latte. He'll cover his background and what he's doing at his shops. And uh, uh, I believe at the time he was opening a new shop. His just, but just to update right now, his <clears throat> the excuse me, I've got something in my throat. They have three carts that are located downtown at Southwest 10th and Alder and on the PSU campus at Southwest 5th and Harrison. So, uh, you know, they used to have one over in where they're building the Ritz now. So obviously if they, if we mentioned that uh, in this podcast, uh, that's not not there, that's not applicable any longer, but you can go down and enjoy their coffee and buy a bag too. It's uh, they do a really nice job. And I love their I love the packaging. Their logo is great. So, oh, they also have really nice little Portland uh, accessories down there as well. So, that's it. Enjoy Todd Edwards and your summer. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Dupan's Markets, inspiring you with the best in food and wine. Local, family-owned Zupan's Markets provides a unique grocery shopping experience for Portland food lovers. Excellent products sourced locally and from around the globe with delicious chef-prepared meals for your convenience on West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Visit Zupan's.com and sign up for your exclusive deals and promotional offers. Yeah, no, I just just love your whole vibe, (laughs) you know, that you're able to generate from Two carts right, at this yeah. point in time. So ever since my, um, uh, Jose Luis and Casimira turned me mm-hmm. on to what you're doing, yeah, um, and I went down there, it's, it's impressive. It's, pretty, it's a cool operation. And you can, see, yeah. you can see you got a lot of heart. You got design sense. I want to know where that design sense came from. Um, you know, this has just been something that I've, I've, I've always kind of had a... Uh, um, an idea that I love Portland and, you know, obviously the, the bridges and whatnot, just inspiring and you walking over, um, you know, from the, from the east side to the west side. And then you've got, you know, of course the scenescape of Portland from behind it. And you're just like, you just love it. That's just one of the things I, I, I kind of said, I want to do something that a t-shirt that people or a design aspect of the, you know, people that can really get behind and really enjoy and love. And then, of course, I turned it on to a graphic designer of mine, and then I, I said, this is the kind of sketch that I have. Make it make it make happen. Make it good. <laughs> make it happen. Make it happen. So we a couple of different ideas, but I, I do have a little bit of a background um, with a little bit of art. But What is that background? Because it shows. I mean, not everybody has taste. Yeah. So there's yeah, two different yeah. things. There's a design sense, mm-hmm. which means you can develop your own things, and then there's there are people who can recognize nice things and right. put them together too. So where does that come from for you? And and I'll say this yeah. because I guess it's, we're talking about it in a vacuum. Yeah. You have two carts down at PSU. What's the corner? Uh, Harrison and yeah. Southwest fifth and Harrison fit Southwest. Yeah. 5th, Cause it's not far from here. From right. Where we yeah. are right now. And, um, you know, you get a sense there are carts, but you get a sense there's all this beautiful wood involved. And yeah. the, the first of all, you've done a fantastic job with staff because they're mm-hmm. all really friendly and really cool. Uh, and just even the menu, the stuff is very Oregon. It feels very Oregon. Right. Uh, I like right. your pumpernickel and smoked salmon. Yeah, we That's call it the Columbia. The Columbia. I've gotten probably a dozen of those over so- since I've met you. So. 
Um, that's my little stop. And by the way, what a great lunch. It's not, you know, it's a nice little thing with, and pick up a little coffee too. Keeping it Ole latte. Ab- so, absolutely. Um, so anyway, it struck me that it's, you're just not, the first thing I heard is that you mm-hmm. were roasting coffee and serving it. Yeah. And then you get onto your carts and it's more than that. It doesn't feel like just a coffee thing. No, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, through cultivating, a lot of my background, my history, um, being in the in the restaurant industry for I hate dating myself, but over twenty years, dude, um, you better enjoy dating yourself <laughs> now because when you get to my age, you're not going to want to do that at all. I know. When we start you talking anything. baseball, that's why I've got a we court. We have to stay away from baseball. Is that the we, new uh, A word? Yeah, that's the new A word because I completely date word? myself. You know, I was at sure. I'll do it right now because I I don't mind. There he is. I was at Shea Stadium in. Um, 1969 See. when the Mets won. So there you go. <laughs> you just, and I, there you I was go. alive. There you go. I, I wasn't. <laughs> you were in a I wasn't an embryo. Right. When they're talking about you know older than dirt, and you know <laughs> they're looking at a picture of you, and you're like, oh, there he is, older than dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, so um, so you're. His, you you have some military history. I got a little military background. Uh, four years oh, in the service. Uh, the yeah. say it's it's beyond that. I was talking to Chris before you came in, and I said I, th- I believe because we've never really asked this question, but I believe this is the first time we've had a tank operator on the show. Oh yeah, uh, that's pretty big. See there you go, and unique. <clears throat> yeah. So tell us about some tank experiences. Oh my gosh, um, a very very heavy, very unforgiving, very powerful. Um, piece of machinery that you get to just blow stuff up and it's kind of awesome what's the what what's the most significant thing you blew up um you know just just shell targets you know just things that are metal plates down the down range they'll uh they'll have like um uh decommissioned other military vehicles tanks and things of the nature so that way it gives a cool splash effect mm-hmm. when the uh when the munition actually hits it it'll just you know Gives it a real fireworks show, which is always kind of cool. Um, I've never gone into combat, thank God. I didn't need to go through that. Um, but, you know, just going through the aspect of training and, and, and all of that, live fire exercises, um, you don't need to go worry about going through, you know, um, uh, wartime because it's very violent. Uh, a tank, when it fires, it's very violent. So I have to ask the question, though. If you're saying, thank God I didn't go into combat, sure. yet you put yourself in the position to possibly do that, sure. What what's that line of thinking? How does that work? Um, I think when you, when you want to, you know, uh, be part of uh, going out in the world and saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and protect our, our, our livelihood. Um, our freedom, our sense of, you know, rights that we have here in the United States. Um, you don't, I don't think in all honesty, you figure that you want to go and kill somebody. I mean, that's just merely is what combat really is. Uh, wartime, you mm-hmm. know, and it's defense of things. You, you kind of like, you want to show a presence that you're there, but you really hope and, and that you don't want to go and confront anybody. You don't want to have to. So it's just, you know, I'm hoping to be just that sense of like preventative measure. You know, I'm It's kind of like the dogs barking next door and you just hope they're going to get, they're going to stop. So right. you don't have to go over and confront them. Sure. Right. <laughs> you know, or maybe you have the dogs and, and you know, that just is a deterrent from somebody wanting to come up to your, you know, front doorstep. Right. Um, you know, which is that, you know, thank goodness for that. Um, we'd spent a little bit of time. I had to go over to per, uh, the Persian Gulf uh, for a few months, uh, that was a bit of a, uh, an experience for me. Never been over the Middle East. Um, tried to swim in the 
saltiest open body of water, which is the Persian Gulf, you can't sink. Did you know that? You, you, there, it's impossible for you to drown unless you forcefully put yourself into the water, but you can't, you, you don't have to swim. You don't have the to. Salt no content's to swim. The salt content's that high. It's so high. Yeah. You literally just bob in the water. And we had to put weights, heavy weights, to get us down so that we can go scuba diving, um, which is very fascinating and interesting. Is that, you know, like thinking, like, that's a body of water. How in the world am I just, I cannot force myself down into this body of water? Um, you had to have weights on. <laughs> so, but you know, different combinations of things, you know. <laughs> I have just, my own weight. It's going <laughs> to. You just. <laughs> I got, I got, it's built in. <laughs> no, I just was swimming in the Mediterranean like a, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, that same, that's pretty salty too. Yeah. I was, I was marveling at how buoyant, buoyant I was. Mm-hmm. I was very glad, especially after lunch. <laughs> was you didn't eat, you obviously didn't eat enough, Chris. Yeah, well, I'll keep trying. Yeah. But, um, well, that's cool. So, you actually did, were you driving or did you actually do the... Uh... Yeah, through the combination of everything, uh, we started out as a driver, typically, or as a loader, uh, loading the munition into the, into the main gun. Um, how, and, big, how big were the shells? Yeah, 120 uh, millimeters. So, in perspective, I guess, you know, you know, the round itself, it's a penetrating round, so it's maybe... Um, what is 120 millimeters? I guess maybe a couple inches, but but yeah. the, but the long it has a has a really long um, um, like a penetrating ra- uh, shaft. Uh, this is kind of getting perverse, but penetrating shaft and <laughs> and then uh, and then but the the whole round itself is about 40 pounds. Um, so you kind of have to lumber these things through the tank. That's but I've I've stuff. shot the tank. I've tank commanded the tank. Is this um, an Abrams? Is it Abrams tank? Mm-hmm. Okay, M1 Abrams. Yeah, um, and and you know driving the tank. I don't know my my most fun that I've had operating the tank was I think the driver. You know I love driving even though it was a lower position. You know tank commanding was a lot of fun too. Uh, you're just kind of sitting sitting in a in a Cadillac position, uh, kind of dictating everybody to do what they need to do. Uh, but the driving was always always kind of cool. You know how how long would it take to stop? Actually, it's very good brakes. Really? Yeah, yeah. You could put that thing. Uh, you stomp on the brakes, and it 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 wants to stop pretty quick. And then you could actually set the the back end. It'll it'll lean a little bit on the front, and then raise in the back. That thing just stops pretty quick. Uh, Fifteen hundred horsepower, seventy two tons, combat loaded. Uh, pretty impressive, you know. And that thing can go across that would make the desert a great about forty five miles. An hour. How come no one's ever thought of that for a f- food cart? Well, so just open. <laughs> Park you, one of those and open it up. Why do you think I work so easily in a food cart? Because yeah. I'm, I'm used to this small space. I was going to ask you, you're such a nice guy. You've always been so nice to me. Do you ever have moments where you wish you had the ammunition in the food <laughs> just cart? A, just a large turret with a big gun on there. Exactly. Be just like, I'm just getting to know you all and, you know, hey, you. Gluten-free. Right. <laughs> Gluten-free bagel. Oh, yeah. so so you started with an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, how long ago it was? You wanted to do wine and coffee. Yeah, so we wanted to start off with a wine shop and then do coffee in the morning. I didn't know anything about coffee, um, and I I quickly through conversations and in thinking about stuff, we, you know, I kind of leaned on not doing a brick and mortar. And then a friend of mine, um, Stephen Schaumler, he. You're sitting there having a glass of wine, and, and he says, how about a food cart? And it was in 2012 that we were discussing this. And actually, in, yeah, it was 2012. 
And I ended up saying, yeah, you know, maybe. And I started researching a little bit more and I got somebody to work on doing just the basic build out on the food cart for me. Um, And I abandoned the wine idea. And from that point, it just kind of like, it it went into an amazing spiral of, of cool things. Um, I wanted to keep everything local with the wine shop, everything local with the coffee shop. And I kept learning more and more and more about coffee. I decided on Restretta Roasters to be the ones that, you know, I served coffee, um, their coffee. And then eventually I, I turned over to, to roasting my own coffee. Um, but I learned everything that, you know, was Din real helpful. Din was, yeah, Din was great. You know, uh, Din and the crew, they, they just went through the process of teaching me everything. I mean, they didn't have a lot of, um, they, 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 they were forced, they were forced into training cause I just kept beating them up about, no, well, you were also purchasing their you know, coffee. They had to, absolutely. You had to, I mean, you, you can't say, no, I'm not going to, but hey, you're a customer, so. but through following, um, uh, you know, with that, with Ristretto, I was able to pick up Kim voice, bake shop, pastry goods, absolutely amazing stuff. And then it just follows suit you know, through all of the local purveyors here in Portland. Um, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you just go ahead and do like your own stuff? And I'm like, well, that's not kind of my energy. My energy is to work with the community, you know, work with who's doing it amazingly and just kind of bring them on board. It's an interesting concept for a food cart because there are a lot of people out there who are working very hard to develop their own Right. flavors and their own things, but there really are a lot of things like Bake Shop and Ristretto Roasters, yeah. coffee that, you know, just like any retail operation, this just happens mm-hmm. to be in a, a food cart retail operation, right. but eventually you found some way, things that you needed to do yourself or wanted to do yourself. Absolutely. Well. Doing my own coffee was a really important piece and setting that design, um, it, it really identifies us, um, but it wasn't the biggest piece that you know, community was very important for me, um, you know, bringing in the relationships with our partners of our goods and purveyors. Um, I wanted to be able to do more. And one of the things that I was able to, I found out in discovery was I love the sense of one person, one drink or one food item at a time. Um, and you got that with the window of the food cart. So you would have that mini coffee date with everybody that came up to the cart and I thought, wow, that's really something special and that's unique and different. That's definitely not something I want to break um, because I've been part of, you know, going to coffee shops and you kind of go, oh, okay, let me go ahead and collect your money here and then go get your drink down there with the barista, you know, and usually you never get a sense of, you know, having a, a relationship with them mm-hmm. um, because it might be just too busy. Um, with the food cart, we were able to kind of keep that focused, mm-hmm. you know, so there was no ruining it. So there was no going to get it down the other end of the, the cart. Um, the wonderful thing that I loved about that as well is the relationships that I would establish with the community. And I wanted to give back. So how do you do that with a food cart here in Portland? You're in a major city. Everybody's kind of got something going on. That's amazing. How do you set yourself apart? How do you reach out to the community even more? So a friend of mine, a uh, former barista, he, uh, he mentioned, hey, check out Suspended Coffees. So read up about it, and, you know, he talked to me a little bit about it. it. took me all about 30 seconds after I heard about it and read about it to put up a board. I said, Suspended Coffees? What is Suspended Coffees? It's a way to pay it forward. Way to pay it forward for a person that's anonymous. And um, the beautiful thing is, is that a person can pay for it, 
walk away um, anonymously. I've given them a 10% discount on their entire order for doing such. Some person randomly comes up. It'll happen about two minutes after somebody puts something on the board, though. And they'll say, hey, can I get that item off the board? No questions asked. Because they saw it. And uh, then my relationships even got better in Portland with people. Um, a lot of times it's people that had leaned on that that program and just not just getting a free cup of coffee, not getting a muffin. Are there or people who just sit there waiting for that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But they weren't always just about getting the coffee or the muffin or the scone. It was about the relationship that we had. You know, we got to know people that did frequent the cart, you know, quite a bit for those items. And we'd have a relationship with them. We'd say, hey, how's your day? Talk to me about what's going on in your life. Um, truthfully, Chris, I, I, I don't honestly know how many, how many homeless people I've actually hugged. I mean, mostly it's those, the people that, that have, you know, taken opportunity with that, uh, suspended coffee board. But I mean, I've had other people too. I've had people that have just forgotten their wallets or they were like risk-free, try a muffin, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, I've never tried your pastries before. Um, a student that was in between, you know, their, uh, uh loans, student loans or something. There are a couple of those over by PSU. Sure, absolutely. There's a few there. So everybody's able to benefit from it, and there's no resume needed. Um, There's no question, no judgment, no passing off of whether or not you're worthy to have an item. The only rule is one thing per person per day, and it's an honor system, you know. So everybody, you know, does a really good job with being able to love put something on the board because they're like, hey, I got a little extra money this month. Why not, you know, brighten up somebody else's day? Because a lot of people know what we do. It's not about just giving somebody a cup of coffee or a muffin. It's about brightening up their day. And that's every time. It doesn't matter whether you're putting something on the board or not. That's what you get when you come to a lay latte is you get your day brightened up a little bit more just by serving up a coffee right. and a friendly smile that's and having a, a mini thing. coffee date. I had uh, one of my best friends had a thing for every week he would give a $20 bill to somebody. Yeah. doesn't have to be, it didn't, it could be a homeless person sure. on the street. It could be you, could yeah. be anybody. Just here, here make, you know, the guy at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but what you're doing is, you know, doing it through the type of business that you have yeah. is, uh, is interesting. And I would think, were you, did you feel it was a little risky at first that you might have, you know, create a, an uncomfortable situation at the cart where you'd have a lot of homeless people hanging around, which would certainly not be conducive to a lot sure. of people coming. Yeah. So then you might go and worry about, you know, whether people would be offended um, or that you might have uh, an, an awkward situation where somebody was um, offended by somebody else that had, you know, maybe they were on medication for that day or maybe they weren't on their medication for that day for that matter. You know, they, they were just, but you have to, you have training. Um, we train the staff on how to, to handle circumstances that, um, you know, might be questionable, you know, so we're prepared. How did Um, you, how did you, what prepared you for that to be able to train people on that? Is it, I would imagine there's a lot of learning as you went, like, Hey, here's a new situation. Right. We have to deal with what's the best way to deal with it. Or do you just, did you have some social work in your past? No, I think, you know. In all honesty, um, it's just, I didn't, I didn't have any training at all. Um, so there are certain, certain circumstances that I will engage with 
and that I'll handle on myself. And there will be certain circumstances that I'll have to call somebody that's more of a professional that can handle the situation better than I can. Um, and, and that kind of quickly, you know, shows itself. But I've, I've literally had a lot of opportunities where, you know, I, I found somebody is a little bit riled up um, at the cart and they literally, um, I said, well, let's go have a conversation. Let's go have a talk. And we'll just, I'll just walk around the city with them and, and literally just have a conversation. They oftentimes will just calm down and, you know, they're appreciative of it. And, you know, for the future, they usually, you know, and it's somebody that I usually haven't seen before, but most of the time for the people that have come up, um, a good bit to the cart, it's, it's very respectful and, you know, they're, they're very appreciative and they're very kind and in all honesty, you know, um, they, they wouldn't, I don't think that they ever have ever come back up to the cart where they, where they were going to be of a, any kind of a disruption, um, for the people that are in what you did. Yeah. Most people aren't doing that. But also the cool thing was, is that I've learned by doing this, it inspired them to do something kind for somebody else. You know, like what kind of things are they doing? Oh my gosh. I've had, um, I've had people that have, have lived on the streets and, you know, have taken an extra effort of, there was a, a dog that was running ar- around in the, the street the other day <clears throat> and nobody was doing anything about it except for this one gentleman that had come up to me and he said, Hey, I really felt that I needed to take care and help this dog out and secure the animal. So it doesn't, wasn't going to get hit by a car. Um, cause it was obviously scared, but everybody else around was actually just standing there watching this happen. That was one of the examples that I could say that, you know, they've just done an extra do- good deed of doing something. I can humbly say that, or not so humbly, I don't know, yeah, Sure, but you know, what you're doing is really being a part of the city and part of mm-hmm. the city now is that problem, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And, but you're not really viewing it as much of a, as a problem as an opportunity. Right. And, um, and interacting with the people on the street is part of the food cart world I yeah. mean, um, and part of being on the street. So I think that that's really, it's fascinating that you're doing that. Would you bring that to your brick and mortar as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Absolutely. The same thing? Um, it's funny because I found myself <clears throat> where I've had people around, um, were one of my food carts, they were concerned about whether or not I should be there because of the program that I was doing. And, um, when it started going and the process was happening, it was a complete mind shift from, we don't want homeless people around in this area. We took all this effort to try and make sure that that wasn't the case. And you're you're, you're a magnet now. Now I've got a magnet of homeless people that come to the cart, but guess what? There's less, there's less garbage, there's less loitering, there's less um, graffiti, there's less, like, there's been more mindful care for the area and in acting appropriate and behaving in a way that's, you know, like being part of the city um, by doing what I do. It's because the area is just now more respected. And who brought this to your attention? Were you looking for something like this or just looking, you were looking for something to stand out and, be, was, and give back. Well, yeah. But how did you get to this? Cause it's a different way of giving back. This is organic. Right. This was something that I didn't even realize it was going to happen. Right. This is something that I just discovered. 
I didn't know how this was actually going to unfold. I didn't know how it was going to impact people's lives. I knew I wanted to change the world one coffee at a time, but how do you do that? You know, by changing it within your own community. You can't change the world by going over to some other country where you're not even part of. Not yet, at least. Mm -hmm. But start somewhere. Start within your own community. Start within your own backyard and see what you could do there. You know, my objective is actually not to just suspend coffees and muffins and scones out of my food cart, but my objective is to change Portland, to suspend the entire Portland which I've got some wonderful places that I'd love to share at some point about what we're doing and how it's influencing others as well. When are you going to run for mayor? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, mayor's no mayor is not going to be in my my yeah. Mm-mm. You'll do it. No, from I'll do I'll do it from a food cart <laughs> or, or a brick and mortar or right. ten. Right, right. So I, is that your vision? Is that what you'd like to do? Um, have brick and mortar. Well, you want to. You are doing a brick and you're putting. Yeah. You're building one now, and mm-hmm. I've seen some of it on Facebook. And of course, the 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 finish is beautiful, and it's taken you a while because you're not just throwing yeah. up anything. Right. Um, but is your vision to go beyond one brick and mortar to lots of them? I mean, what do you? Yeah. What's your long term business plan? Uh, just this is the tip of the iceberg for us. Um, this is, I, I still find myself in a very microcarbon footprint kind of business, uh, very small scale, keeping it focused. And I'm loving the idea of duplicating this in other parts of the country, um, maintaining that kind of intimacy and not just on a conglomerate corporate scale, but literally maintaining that intimacy in every city that we go into. Um, it would be very important. I think that's better than, you know, just kind of franchising or putting it out there for everybody to kind of do what they need to do, but keeping that culture of community, which is very important and being, you know, part of a city and being part of a town and being, you know, helping people out. Do you think, um, do you think the model will necessarily translate to other cities? Because other cities have different characters and different personalities and, Absolutely. Sometimes things, you know, don't work. I found that there's not, at least in the chef world and restaurant world, there's not, there's some, mm-hmm. but the collaborative nature yep. doesn't exist in some other cities that exist here, exists here. Right. Um, it does in Austin, Texas, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, those are like yeah. a sister city, but I've seen in other larger cities like Seattle and so forth. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Seattle, but it's no. just that inherent collaborative rooting for the guy next door yeah. a feature of Portland doesn't necessarily translate elsewhere. So I would just yeah. wonder if you think that might, have you done some research? Do you have some other cities that you're looking at that you've been thinking about? Or is that when the time is right, you'll, you'll Yeah, know. Yeah. So when the time is right, it, you know, we'll definitely approach that. Um, I, I don't have any cities right now in my, in my mind. Um, but I do have an interest with going into larger cities as well. Some, some significant metropolitan cities and I could, I could understand that whether it would work or not, but just like anything else, you know, if you put your heart into it, if you have amazing story behind it and there's, it's real people, I think will get behind it. And I think like, you know, I don't try and want to beat down the front doors to make people believe that this is what it's supposed to be. 
I think organically, it's just going to take on a life of its own and people are going to want it. You know, they're going to want it in their own town. They're going to want it in their own major city and their metropolitan city. And they're going to talk about it. Um, so, you know, I don't want to shove it down anybody's throats to say that this is the way you're supposed to do your business. But I truly believe that if I'm putting my heart out at, out there with it, um, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work. And so part of that was you can't you can't just do that. You have to have a good product. Yeah. Right? So people have to like you're in yep. the food business. Yep. So the coffee had to be a little bit of a process to go from ristretto to your own. Yeah. And yeah. and what kind of what kind of um, Walk us through a little bit what you went through to get to your own coffee, because it's really yeah. good. Thank you. And I don't know, you know, you had said, it's not all about the coffee, but sure. do you consider yourself like a coffee person? Do you oh. consider yourself a food cart operator? What do you, mm-hmm. where do you, where are you? Where do you fall on the spectrum there? No, absolutely. Um, we, we fall between the both. You know, I love coffee. I'm an absolutely coffee person. Um, I fell, when I, when I kind of moved transition wise from Restretto Roasters to working on, on our own kind of thing. Um, I had a couple people that were with me that were roasters. They were coffee roasters. They've been doing coffee roasting for a while. Um, a gentleman, um, he was actually a roaster out of California and he was a good food award winner out of California. And he taught me everything that, you know, I've learned, um, for roasting coffee with either micro or, you know, micro, uh, single lot origins or doing a blend of some sort. We created the Corazon del Toro, um, based off of just what I wanted with, um, um, I, uh, for my love and passion of wine, fruit forward, heavy body, juicy mouthfeel, like a Cabernet Sauvignon or, you know, like a big, bold, uh, Bordeaux. Um, and, and then we kind of like said, okay, this is what we want to do. Now let's find the beans that's going to match our profiles. And so we kind of kept doing that. So that's why we have a consistent blend of the Corazon del Toro, Heart of the Bull. Um, and then we do the, um, the you got to hook up with John Gorham on that. Although yeah. I think they're pretty in with, I think it's Water Avenue because they're right next so, door to the yeah, headquarters. Yeah, it could be. But that's the perfect coffee for them. I know, right? <laughs> Just... And then we, we, we do a single origins market lots as well. And we love to showcase and highlight those with the farms. So where um, are you sh- where, how are you sourcing your beans? Yeah, so we get them through different um, um, uh, importers here around the United States. I've, I've had stuff shipped out of uh, an importer out of Minnesota, um, importers out of Oakland, um, here within our own city, um, out of stuff out of Seattle. So there's a lot of different, um, they're just larger and in even, um, I've worked directly with a, a couple different, um, farms and, in getting there. Have beans, you traveled great. to, to experience the farms? I haven't had a liberty to travel yet. I think it's been all virtual reality aspects of things, you know, kind of visiting, you know, their websites and, and kind of doing a lot of research oh, and that, getting samples and stuff. That's but, what this community has got to do for you. I know. They have to support you <laughs> to the point where you can go, go fly, go fly and take those trips. I, I, you know, I'd love to. And then I kind of go, Oh yeah, right. I've got to work on building this shop out. And that's work. been going for a while. How long ago did you start building the shop out? Yeah, and it's the, not going to be ready till It, it should spring? be ready in the next. No, it should be ready this winter. Oh, actually. this winter. Yeah, okay. so well, we're, we're coming up really quick. Um, we're almost done with everything. 
um, just kind of like, you know, dot, dot the I's and cross the T's um, with the city. And then, you know, we should be open sooner than later. So we're, we're pretty excited about it. Southeast Clinton and 14th? Yeah, Southeast 14th and Clinton. What's near, what's near there? I was trying to place that when I saw that address. Sure. There's a couple blocks. Um, I think most people would recognize Pine State Biscuits is right oh, around yeah, that's there. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, yeah, that's really close. Uh, there's also the uh, Apex Bar uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or beer place there. And there's that breakfast place, mm-hmm. too. Um, there is across the street. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, there's a couple places around there. It's, it's always good. There's like a Genie's Cafe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so we're we're really close in this really amazing epicenter right there on Division, and I love it. And between uh, Division and Powell, with ama- all the food, all the food that's up there. So you know La Mole and Broders and you know all of those wonderful places that are just right up the street. Um, and then, you know, some really great places that, you know, we go to, f- you know, frequent quite often for lunches and, and Masubi and, and Mazi Sushi and Scotty's Pizza and the nice lineup there. And of course, Scotty's is great. It's wonderful. And yeah. 50, 50 Licks isn't far. 50 Licks is right around the corner too. So we're, we're in trouble for gaining some weight around there. That's for sure. You got some, you got some, uh, guns on you. I don't think that's going to be a problem. You're working them <laughs> off. We're, we're kind of going through a lot of process construction work. So yeah, it's like, are you working out, bro? <laughs> yeah, so that, so how much work does it take to, you got two carts by the way. So let's just, there's the one cart that's coffee. Three. Three. Three, three, carts, three there yeah, in that same. Two at PSU right next to each other. Right. Well, those are the, th- that's, that's what I'm oh, referring yeah, yeah, to. When you go the there, space, there yeah. there's a coffee, mm-hmm. there's coffee on your left and then on your right. You've got sandwiches and right. other and other goodies too, mm-hmm. and you've got this whole line of really cool goods, yeah. too, merchandise. So you got shirts, hats, you got the co- leather. Am I right? Yeah. Leather coffee yeah. holders and yep. Um, we got so much fun things, and they're all local makers too in Portland. So we kind of keep supporting that aspect. We've got these really fun ones that are these rings that goes snap into a mason jar because I mean, like I don't know what Oregonian or any Northwest person doesn't drink out of a mason jar. Everybody seems to love to drink out of a mason jar. Well, one of the problems with the mason jar is you don't have a handle typically for a mason jar. Mm-hmm. And I got this really cool um, ring with a handle that either done by bicycle chain or like it's a band with a leather strap on it that you could use. And it's like guaranteed for life. And the guy who's making them out of Vancouver, Washington, he's just like, yeah, anytime anything ever happens to these things, bring them back and I'll totally replace it for free. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And he presented it in a way of a beer mug, beer handle. But for coffee, you need, you got to have a handle. I was like, yeah, exactly. Glass. Exactly. So I said, no, 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 mister. This is, this is for coffee. Um, So that's been a mainstay for us. And then, you know, of course I get these ceramic mugs that are being made for me. A um, couple different styles out there. And then, of course, our T-shirts and our hats and some of the, the artwork that's been done on the carts and the hat is done by Matt Shalosky. He's a local muralist here in Portland. Um, and he's just a wonderful, amazing, phenomenal, very kind of one-of-a-kind artist um, that I've just absolutely loved. And then our new digs that we have on, on Clinton there. I have a very special mural that I had done on the front of our bar, and I can't wait for our listeners to come and join us there. 
um, because it's just a, a piece from Amaya Dulugalecki. She is a, a wonderful artist here in Portland as well, and she's done a piece that's just absolutely breathtaking on the, uh, the mural on the front of the on the bar. So, what's going to happen at your on Clinton and Fourteenth? That's different than the carts. You'll be able to actually come in and sit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right? How fun would that? But be? are we going to you know? be doing the wine? Absolutely, we're going to be doing wine as well. We probably won't do it right away. And the interesting um, thing that we're going to be doing with the wine is that it's going to be small batch local wine here in Portland um, or, or in the northwest of Oregon and Washington. And it's just going to be something really unique. And I'll also be doing beer too, but not the stuff that you can just get in the grocery store, but stuff that's really like one-off kind of stuff, small batch. Um, we've got some great uh, collaborations with uh, with uh, uh, um the, the the brewers around here as well as distillers as well we might be doing some fun stuff with you're the liquid guy i know right I mean, other than the fact Just that you're doing some merchandise to go with it but you are the purveyor of liquids it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fun uh we're gonna do some really creative fun stuff so you're getting back to what you originally wanted to do i'm going full circle right all um, the way back and and just to to be fair to you when i said two carts yeah. i meant over uh, on harrison and yep. fifth southwest but you're also over in the uh, pod over on Alder. And Tenth and Alder. Tenth and Alder. Yeah. Right, so. um, Food cart right there. Right up, uh, right up by uh, Nong's Kamen Guy right there. So mm-hmm. le- uh, how's the food cart business? We've talked to a few people who have transitioned from food mm-hmm. carts to brick and mortars here. Yeah. And they have said, if you really want to make money, food carts are rough. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not asking for your balance sure, sheet no, here. Of course, yeah. But is it something where, you know, if someone were to come up to you and look for advice, would you say it's, what would you tell them? I think that the dream has always been for people that are wanting to start out is always a food cart. And when they want to go, I mean, obviously the dream is to go to a brick and mortar. And that's amazing. And I think that's what it should be. Um, For us, a lot of people kept asking me, why aren't you going brick and mortar? Why aren't you going brick and mortar? And I said, well, because my model's not broken, you guys. My overhead's low. My cost of goods is low because, and you're there a lot. That that yeah. is a lot of the, that's a lot of the formula, right? Is that it has to be you doing a lot of the work, a lot of the right. repairs, right? And serving yeah. too, right? Yeah. How yeah. are you there? How, how often are you? I'm there a little bit. You know, I'm not there as much as I used to be. Um, the staff really take care of things, and and they're an extension, an easy extension of me, um, but. You know, for for food cart world, it can be a challenge. And owner-operator is usually the one that is able to make the most money. Having employees, obviously, we could all agree that, you know, your largest expense is your payroll out of your business. And it's going to be bigger and bigger. And it's going to get bigger and bigger because we've got um, minimum wage will be keep coming up and up and up. And our prices are going to have to go up, too. That's just going to have to be reflective of, you know, of wages within the city. Um, and that's just, you know, for sustainability. And, you know, so when we open up our brick and mortar, am I looking to, you know, abolish the food carts? I love the food carts. I think they're absolutely amazing. I don't want to go back to the world of, of not having the, a relationship like I've had, um, that I get with the food carts. So I guess it's all in perspective. Um, you got to see how it goes. Right. I mean, I've seen a lot of chefs that have been in food carts that, you know, will give you all of their accolades as soon as you walk up for the first time out of the, you know, it, to their window. 
and you're supposed to expect to be, you know, praising them up and down, left and right about how great they are as, as a chef and they're serving you food. But if their heart's not in it and they don't show that they care, you know, maybe the food cart isn't the right choice. For well, them. I think in a community like Portland, and we've resolved this, I think, Court, on the podcast a few times talking to people, anybody who doesn't have their heart in it right. in this city is not going to survive yeah. because you can't do... You can't be in the food business. Right, yeah. Day after day and not have your heart in. It'll kill you. Yeah. You have to love doing what you're doing. And we're such a microcarbon footprint. I mean, ourselves as Portlanders, that if if something isn't adoptable, if something isn't adoptable, we don't take it. We don't allow for it to come into our city. So I think that's why we can get a little bit of a transition of from one you know restaurant to another, you know, one that maybe not be that great to a really great restaurant. And we've seen it time and time again where we've seen some that have folded and some that have actually come out forward and they're just like, wow, this is a great restaurant too. Um, so well, there's so many incubators now. So there are incubators right. on top yeah. of incubators. So we just had uh, David Briggs in here who used to work at Park Kitchen. Mm -hmm. That spawns so yeah. many people in the industry. But then now those are out doing their thing at Pine Street Biscuits, they're spawning mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of new great businesses too. And then you know the food cart isn't isn't necessarily the only avenue for entry now. You've got yeah. things like Feastly yeah. that are offering people the opportunity. They're they're out hitting it hard. I've mm -hmm. seen a lot of sponsored posts about you know cook and we'll give you the opportunity to do that. Um, so it's not just food carts. There's a lot. There are a lot of different ways to do it. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And the micro restaurants are starting to come in now too, a lot more so like food halls and different things. Right. We're starting to see a lot more of that, which is going to be an affordable way for people to get their, their name out there, which might be actually a, a point that we end up going to with all these food cart lots are going to be eventually. Well, they're going to be swallowed up by condos Yeah, and they're, they're going to have to build something. What And then they have been doing it, building mm -hmm. a little space brick and mortar for the, some of those. It's really an ironic situation where these neighborhoods are becoming popular enough to be developed. Yep. And they became popular because of the businesses that have to close to build what they're building. Exactly. So, if, so. I mean, this is nothing new. Everybody kind of knows this. But right. What are you going to do with the 15 food carts that have to close? They can't all get they can't get mortar and Yeah, they can't all do it. And they can't afford it. Uh -huh. So the developers aren't going to be handing them cash to, no. to try their thing. Yeah, you got to have your heart into it, and if it works out, it's supposed to work out. If if your heart's not into it, and you know it, it shows, then other people, we're just it's not going to be supported. And it's good. I think it's going to be a really positive thing with the with the flushing out of food carts um, in in certain areas that you know there maybe shouldn't be food carts there. Um, I think it's been allowed a lot for um, food carts to be around that have not been doing the you know, the work that they should have been doing and, and, you know, get the recognition so they can go into a brick and mortar. They're just kind of sitting around. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be fun. This will be an interesting time that we're going to see in the next 10 years, I think. How much, of, how much of your success do you think is due to just having a captive audience at PSU? I mean, that's a, oh. and how did you get that spot? Cause it's a unique spot. <laughs> it's not a pod. Nobody has made um, there's been so many people that have been in that spot before me as a food cart and they literally, um, they just couldn't make it for one reason or another. I'm not really sure what their business models were like, but when I came in there, I built my second food cart. I lost hair in my beard. 
I didn't have hardly any money for dressing it out at all on the outside. It looked really awful. And I was, when I finally got done with my food cart, I said, gosh, I don't even know where in the world to put this thing. And it just so happened, turned out that there was a food cart that had moved out of the spot. And I just kind of pastored PSU and I said, what's going on with that? And I pastored him and I pastored him and, you know, they were kind of like, okay, well maybe this might be okay. And they had to actually redo a contract for me to be there. Cause I think there was some like written, you know, you couldn't have coffee on the campus or things were just kind of like. Well, you had 16 Starbucks nearby with right, uh, non-compete you know, clause. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so they wrote something out for me and it worked out okay. Um, and then, you know, little by little, and I figure every day I get one more person, that's just better than it was yesterday. And now we've got, you know, a, a pretty, pretty captive audience there at PSU. Um, but that's how we ended up doing it. That's how we ended up getting that location. And then the spot that was right next to it, that was interesting because I had a little bit of money that I ended up building out my third food cart. And what I did was, um, I had it out in happy Valley. There was a food cart pod that ended up going out there in happy Valley. Like it was amazing. The, the food cart pod was big and glamorous and had all these, you know, amazing amenities, but it just didn't work out in the business aspect of things. And then there was a gentleman that was kind of next to me and he's like, I just think I want to retire. So when he gave up his location, I talked to PSU about it and we slid right on in there as well with that second food cart. And uh, then I had to turn everything over from a, from coffee to bagels. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I wanted to do something. I was like, what am I going to do? Where do you source your bagels? Uh, Bowery bagels. Oh, okay. Yeah. That yeah, makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, and then we go up to the farmer's market and we get like all of our goods from the farmer's market people. So yeah, that's like tails and trotters, smokery.com, things of that nature. So you can get some great fish and looking at the different cheese purveyors up there and some jellies. Like what do we, what do we end up getting? We ended up getting a finding Rose City pepperheads. You ever had Rose City pepperhead jelly? I, I actually have about three. Three jars in my uh, in my refrigerator. I, I think it's fantastic, but I don't cook enough to use it. That's right. why I have three jars. I know. <laughs> I use it a little bit here and there, pork chops, right. glaze them. And yeah, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And then we just kind of creatively take all those um, and we just kind of accent the sandwiches with different jellies. And, and we've had a really big following in that aspect, which has always been fun. Um, but, you know, trying to keep it local. Everything as much as possible. And you can, and you feel that. And that's why I I was immediately drawn to your business and wanted you on the podcast because when you're at the cart, it's like, it's everything you love about, you know, the farmer's markets, but serving it to you in a really casual, easy way. Right. It's not, there's no snootiness of some restaurants that are putting it on the right right side of the plate. It's just, you know, you walk away in a, in a nice little paper container mm-hmm. with a bagel that you can eat and uh i like to walk away with a cup of coffee and uh, a bag exactly yeah so we i definitely want to keep it as the approach if it's going to be a really good coffee if it's going to be a really good bagel you don't need to have a resume and you sure as heck don't have to have an application to get it some good stuff on there yeah nice. thanks so um have you been to Paiche? since he, well no 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 since he's transitioned to vegan yes Okay, what do you think? I love it. I love it. His heart is so much into his food. I don't care what he does. He could do whatever he wants because his heart is always in it. Mm -hmm. 
And he's got such amazing passion for doing what he does. And he has no gumption for saying, you know what? I don't have passion for this anymore. Right. This is what I want to do. And I want to surf. Yeah. So what, as long as it works with his surfing. I know. Yeah. That's right. Jose, Jose Luis Dicasio, by yeah. the way, at Paiche, which is up on Corbett. One of the really interesting food businesses in Portland, which was getting all sorts of recognition. Yeah. Restaurant of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was uh, Willamette Week. Um, yeah. And then he just decides, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to just be open in the morning till 12. Exactly. 7 to 12. He's going to expand that, he said. Right. It's, you know, he, he's got a balance of life. You know, that's the most important thing for him and, and what he's got going on in his family. And and I've just tried his stuff and it's just amazing. Yeah, it's, You're not going to be disappointed. I'll tell you what, when you just want, when you don't feel like a big waffle breakfast, yeah. right? And you don't want a big brunch that you get mm-hmm. in Portland. You go over there and you just walk out of there feeling great because it's very healthy and it's very delicious and you can have absolutely no guilt about anything that you're eating. But if you need to and you want to indulge, we have another restaurant that carries our coffee, which is awesome, Verdigree, Johnny Noon. Johnny Noon's out there and he's just killing it and amazing stuff. So that's up there in Fremont. I have to go there. I talked to them a long time ago, but I have not not been there. My challenge is I'm about as far southwest as you can get. Uh, and uh, and getting into Portland has been a little more challenging. I get in, but yeah, I can't eat everywhere. Oh, I know. Well, you can. You're just you know. I could if I decided I wanted to be here, but I'd be less buoyant uh, for the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, no, I'm liking my I'm liking my Manzanita thing. So you um, travel around the state a little bit now mm-hmm. because you you have a uh, you have a relationship with Allison. Oh, yeah. And, but so have you been anywhere in Oregon that's particularly awesome from a food standpoint? Um, you know, in a lot of different places. Um, you know, for mostly it's Portland, um, but I've experienced some amazing food out of uh, McMinnville, has had some great stuff. Um, there was a place that I went down there. I, I, I even remember that restaurant that's sure, all right it's okay what but, about in portland but here in portland you know of course we go to Paiche a lot uh scotty's pizza is just amazing he'll uh, make you a white clam if you give him a little advance notice oh you a white my clam gosh pizza? no <laughs> i would yeah right you know, he's is, that, is that just for todd or is that yeah. for everybody listening to the podcast and he'll do well obviously todd's a <laughs> todd's a big fan so he'll yeah, do right. it okay and scotty does the the pay it forward system as well so they do the the suspended pizzas there oh they do mm-hmm. so you can buy yeah, a pizza for that. somebody absolutely has anybody else done it in town do um, you know i know of a chiropractor and acupuncturist is doing it there's also one bayside uh, i can get you a sixth vertebrae is uh-huh. that how that works exactly <laughs> <laughs> get a little massage on uh, on somebody else um there's been another one that i've really loved to go to have you ever been to guero yeah, I love it. Amazing. And as a matter of fact, I just met them, both of them at Feast. I'm not recalling the names. Alec just, and um, and his wife. I always kind of forget his yeah, so name, but she's I'm lovely. terrible she's with names. She's wonderful. She, that's what I was yep. going to say. She's absolutely wonderful. And yes, we're going to have them. Thank you. Yes. Court, let's write that down. We're going to have them on the podcast because mm-hmm. I told them and you have to come on. And it's one of my favorite spots. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're absolutely wonderful. Um, and, you know, they got a great uh, selection of mezcal and... Um, and I, I, I love their kind of like take on their, their atmosphere is amazing as well. Uh, talk about style and design. Wow. They, they knock it out of the park. Um, and they took the old tabla space and turned yeah. it into something. They made it their own really oh, quickly. Totally so, did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really nice. Um, well, 
thank you for coming on. No, I'm glad, I, I, I have to it. thank Casimira and Jose Luis for introducing us because I had never heard of Ole Latte before I went into Paiche and I said, what are your favorite businesses in mm-hmm. town? And right up the top, you know, your wooden thing was there. Yeah. Your wooden design thing and uh, came down and met you. So I'm glad we had the opportunity to meet and glad came yeah. on came on to chat with us. Absolutely amazing. I loved having uh, being on here. I can't believe we're already over with. It's, it's, it's yeah. We're over. Time's up. We're over. <laughs> well, no, we got to we're we're okay. We're um, but it goes fast. Yeah, it really does, honestly, especially I guess we're just having a good conversation. So. Yes, and sometimes it doesn't go as fast. Sometimes <laughs> it's it does. It's dragging. Yeah. I used to long ago, I went to I did it's not big in this town, but when I was in Connecticut and I was way younger, I went to 8-minute dating. Okay. And so you, th- those eight minutes could either be two hours mm. or three minutes, mm. depending on how, what kind of time you were having. But I, I had some where it's like, could this please, eight minutes, could it go a little, could it move along here, please? <laughs> but that's, it's not so drastic with the podcast, but you can tell when they're fun because Court's yeah. always over there giving the five-minute signal, and I'm thinking, we got so come much on, more to man, talk we just about. started. <laughs> <laughs> we're just beginning here. Well, we'll do it again. Yeah, please. So that's the end of the interview. But then you, what did you ask him, Chris? I just, actually, I just said I had, I wasn't that familiar with your suspended coffee program. And he said, he said, well, there's actually a story I didn't tell. Maybe I should come back and tell it. And so he's sitting in the studio and I said, just start recording. So uh, one of the, one of the stories that I've got is um, I used to have a bunch of kids that used to come down, youth group that used to come that was at a, a streetlights as a kind of a housing shelter for those that are up to 24 years old. And uh, once upon a time, they, they, they kind of all walked by all the time and I, I finally yelled at them and I startled them. And they were like, well, what's going on? And I said, I want to know every single one of your names and I want you to come by every morning and I want you to greet me and tell me what you're doing for the day. And it kind of startled them because there was like nobody gave acknowledgement ever to them like that. Are you a father? Yeah, I'm a father. Oh, okay. Yeah, How many yeah. kids? Uh, I, five kids, essentially, but <laughs> through relationships and, and just whatnot. That. Yeah, just a few. Okay. Um, and, and these kids, they, I mean, there's like 20 of them. And next thing you know, you know, every weekend or every time that I worked, they'd always come by and they'd make sure that they said, hey, Todd, how are you doing? Good to see you. And there was this one man, his name is Dan, and he always held back in the pack and he was kind of separated himself. Maybe he just didn't want to be part of the group or whatever, for whatever reason. But I got to know him too. And he would come up oftentimes alone um, and he would just talk to me about how his day is and what he's got going on. And he's got aspirations. He doesn't want to be on the street anymore. And he's got really a a big goal for this. And uh, one day he came up to me and several months later um, he said, Hey, I'm applying for this job. Um, it's an internship with Nike. And he said, can you just, you know, kind of give me some good, you know, good thoughts about this. I said, absolutely, Dan. This is on a Wednesday, I think. And then Thursday came around. <clears throat> I think his interview was on Thursday. And then Friday came around, didn't see him, didn't see him on Thursday. Um, Saturday morning came around and I finally saw him and I thought, Oh, You know, um, he was standing up in front of my cart in the morning. It was a perfectly beautiful, sunny morning, warm. Um, And he was standing out there kind of like 10 feet away from the cart and just standing alone. And it was earlier in the morning. I was just opening up my window, kind of getting things going. And I said, hey, what's going on, Dan? And, uh, you know, he's kind of like, he's really hesitant to come up to me. So I walked up to him because I thought there was really something kind of going on with him. And he hands me his piece of paper. And 
I just look at it and I'm staring at it and I, I, I don't realize what it is until, you know, after a few seconds and I, it's a schedule. It's a, it's a, it's a schedule for this young man. And I just looked up at him and he just looked at me and, and we just knew what that meant. Both of like, you know, how he got it and then, but he wanted to share that with me. And it was, it kind of, kind of set me a, set me back because I didn't, why would you want to share this with me so much? And it was because of our relationship that we had through the suspended coffee movement that we've been doing. And we just, we both cried and we both hugged it out. And we were so happy and joyful about what he's had, had accomplished as a young man that's on the streets, living in a homeless shelter, and day in, day out with influences of bad and good, trying to make a, a name for himself. Two weeks later, I don't see Dan at all. Two weeks later, this young man comes up to me on the street and he's decked out, head to toe in Nike gear. He's so excited to see me. And he comes racing across the street to me. We both give each other an amazing hug. And I said, Dan, I said, you still got your size sticker on your arm there. Can I get that off for you? <laughs> so he was so excited about having a job and not being on the streets and having this new clothing that he just forgot to even take the, the, the size sticker off of it. But what an amazing, um, you know, a, a time for that to have happened. Um, you just don't know. A lot of people want to go out there and give people money. They want to give people food, beverage. I say give them a conversation. Acknowledge them as a person. Yeah. So that's, you know, I'm always asking about the business side of yeah. things. That's a whole that's something that you that's priceless that you yeah. can put into the business equation. Exactly. So cool that you're doing that. Thanks, man. Cool. Appreciate it. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right